0: Alrighty, welcome to the My Age Podcast. The podcast brings you conversations with people from all walks of life, using music to plot a course from their early years to how they got to where they are now. Hey, Holden, hope you're doing well. Episode 65, if you're a uh, first-time listener, you know, there's a 64 other episodes to sink your teeth into. Uh, if you're a long-time listener, then thanks for coming back, really appreciate it. So today's guest, one of the... Ah, yeah. I couldn't speak highly enough of my guest today, Callum Preston, Um The most inspiring person I can think of The most creative person I can think, like, I've ever met Um, the most accommodating, the nicest, you know Everything you can, every positive you can Every every positive attribute you can put towards a person Callum has it all in spades, so Yeah, I hope you enjoy the episode Um, sponsors, let's do that one Today, well, My Age Podcast is uh, always brought to you by Gringo Bandito what well, was the greatest hot sauce? I'm not going to plug it too much today because, um, but just keep it on the back burner. Um, because basically it's all out of stock. We we had a big promo with recently with, uh, with Artists First, or another, you know, sponsor of the pod. Uh, had a, had a, um, promo with them for the new Offspring album and it sold, like, it sold, like, blew my mind how many that were sold. So, big up to Artists First, um, up to Gringo Bendito, you know, don't need to talk about Gringo Bendito too much as I said, because there's nothing to buy at the moment, so, but that'll change soon enough, um, My Age Podcast, part of the Podbelly Network, if you're, you know, if you're interested in learning how to do a podcast, or get whatever's in your brain out your mouth into other people's ear holes, go to Podbelly Network, sorry, Podbelly.com, um, check out, there's a whole bunch of information on how to kind of do the damn thing, um, as well as a whole bunch of other cool podcasts, um, from yeah, weird and wonderful shit that you probably will be into. So yeah, let's uh, let's not babble too much because it's a it's a it's a hefty episode, and I've got a song, a new a new jam. Um, the band is called Satellites. The song is called The New Control. Now, you if you're a long-term listener of this, or if you're into you know two thousands Australian pop punk, specifically Central Coast based. Uh, Trent David Crawford Esquire Is the I guess the man behind the The, the brainchild of this band um, He wrote all the music And did everything And then got a, a young A nice Oh I shouldn't call him young He's probably not young But a gentleman from the Central Coast Who's played in a bunch of Kind of screamo-ish bands Johnny Don't know his last name Johnny Dude named Johnny um, Yeah did this little project together I've done three songs But there's heaps more to come um, Released it this week and it's a fucking banger. Like, if you're into bands like Thrice, Rise Against, AFI-ish, vocally, I guess, you know. Just that kind of sound. Um, and just tasty guitar Like, tasty guitar playing. Shit's out of hand. I uh, hope you dig the song. Um, yeah, so, Satellites, you can... I'll post the link and da-da-da-da-da and do the damn thing. Um, follow us on all the social medias. My Age Podcast, Instagram, Facebook. If you think this episode's worth a dollar, send us a buck. Send us four. Whatever. My age. No, sorry. Paypal.me slash myagepodcast. It's always appreciated, but definitely never expected. So, Satellites. The song is called New Control. And then, Callum Preston. kill. Welcome to the My Age Podcast. With me on the line uh, via FaceTime, I've got Callum Preston. Look, if you don't know the gentleman, you know his artwork. You know the bands he's played in. You've seen things he's done. Um, he's been a friend of mine for a long, 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 long time now, and I'm really fucking stoked to have him. Callum, how you doing?
1: Good man, thank you, I'm happy to finally be here, I'm, I'm sorry it's taken me so long oh, It
0: is what it is, it is what it is
1: So <laughs> I have no excuse now right, no, that's, all, we've look, all got time
0: That's the weird beauty, of the double edged sword beauty of this, everyone's got time and don't fucking tell me you don't have time because I know you do Yeah, yeah
1: I'm, I'm, I'm getting a few texts where I'm like, I can't pretend I didn't yeah. see that the,
0: <laughs> on, the, on, the only beautiful thing about this is like you don't have to go anywhere
1: like, yes. Yeah. Hey, come yeah, to my true. come
0: to my house on my barbecue. Like, no, I don't want to. No, I can't. Government said I can't. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sorry. So, yeah. Everyone yeah, everyone obeys the rules when it suits yeah,
0: them. It's highly <laughs> everyone listens to the government when it's highly convenient. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. For
0: sure. Sick. So, look, we've had a chat, we, you know, you've heard a couple of podcasts before, so we'll just jump headfirst into it. Um, sure. tell us about your parents and kind of how music if music played a role with them and kind of, you know, where they started and how they got, you know. Yeah, well, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I am a drummer, which is technically a musician. Yes. But, um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I don't come from a musical household uh, at all. Um, my brother had like a Cash Converters BC Rich guitar. Fantastic. That was like a. We would he and I would uh, kind of play along together when I was first learning drums. So I was, you know, uh, twelve, I guess, year seven, started year seven. Yep. But um, from my parents' point of view, it's. Like, I wasn't indoctrined into music through them. There was always music around, you know, in the car or whatever. I remember the first uh when my dad got, like, a fancy, you know, fancy car and had a CD stacker. Oh, yes. <laughs> and you, was, it like the, was it the
0: kind of stacker that was kept in the boot?
1: Yeah, it had, like, a, a yep. little clip that you pull out and yep. load up. Yeah, load so he would load it, up, yep. you know, he would load up, uh, you know, um, Soul Deep, Jimmy Barnes, and uh, yep,
2: okay.
1: pro- probably Richard Marks, um, you know, a couple couple of classics. Um yep. and that was about it. But uh it's weird, my my parents and music I never really even associated them. Like my, my auntie went and saw the Beatles when they flew into Essen and Airport in the sixties. Wow. And I, I, I remember hearing that story and being like, That's she's like that's my auntie. She's not like into music. That seems weird, but then I'm like, Well, she was a teenage girl in the sixties, you know, of course
0: Was she older she was than your that- mum?
1: Yeah, yeah. So she's right. older, um, but like my parents never talked about you know particularly seeing bands. They would they were more like you know local pubs and and probably for sporting club kind of people. Not so much going to watch gigs. Yeah. Um, so it was weird. I it I was trying to think about it, you know, because we talked what we we're going to talk about on the podcast and my parents' music. I kind of was trying to remember when it really clicked to me that they had tastes, okay, you know, yeah. in in music because it's we would just listen to the radio. So, like, it's like whoever was playing on Hey Hey It's Saturday, I'm like, I guess my parents are into, you know, John Farnham or yep. whatever this is, you know. Um, but I, I kind of – the best way I could link it to was Forrest Gump came out in 94. Yes. Um, and the soundtrack to Forrest Gump is amazing because it's, it's obviously – fantastic. Double CD, yeah? There. Yeah, and yep. it just spans all those decades. And so I remember um, – the basically like, so fortunate son by credence plays in the mu- in the movie yeah. and it's like and that this the sound of that is is the vietnam war really yeah. like
3: yeah. Uh,
1: where wherever it gets used that's what it makes me think of yeah and yeah. i remember i can remember being like oh that that song you know i was too young to know who credence were or whatever but i was like oh this song from Forrest gump it's so good and i remember my mom or dad or both of them kind of being like Oh, yeah. And they have this song, which is great, and this song. And, and I, I feel like that must have been a time when I was like, wait, you guys know about a back catalog of an, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they kind sort of, of ba- showed their cards have- with it. Yeah, they had an opinion um, because they had a a small record collection that was sort of a hangover. Um, I broke the turntable when I was real young, so were you trying to DJ or you just Uh, no? I think I I literally was like a little kid and I just lifted the arm up until it didn't go back down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um, And so, you know, we had like a a bit of a CD collection of whatever, and then some vinyl. And in the vinyl there was like, you know, I still, I actually have them all. I, I took everything eventually, but like there was um, Neil Young and there was, um, there's a Credence record and there's like, you know, some bits and pieces. And then there was some just, you know, like the Oliver soundtrack on, okay. on vinyl and um, and some Marsha Hines, like disco kind of records yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, I, they, I just didn't feel like they had a real taste. They they were just listening to whatever, uh, passive music listeners, you yeah. know? Um, but I, I feel like uh, the Gump soundtrack would really have been a time because then I was like, but what about this song? And what is this, you know, if you go into San Francisco, be sure to wear some flowers in your hair, like what's this all about? And yeah. them kind of describing, you know, I guess being, being yeah. youthful in yeah. the Vietnam War era and then... I, understanding that you know there was a draft and my dad's birthday was within a couple of days of the draft, and you know, and he's like, if I had it gone, I I don't know what I would have done. Like, I was never prepared for that. Like, and kind of realizing that they were once a a young person. You know, it's yeah. very strange. It's a very strange realization. And and you know, you have a son who will one day too realize that you were not just his boring old dad, you know, it's sort of like, it's so weird to, to think of, to try to put my thumb on when I, when I realised that they were people, not just my parents.
0: Yeah. And do you, like, (laughs) see, I still have that, like, you know, being a dad, now being a dad for three and a half years, I still have those moments of going, wow, like, doing something and going, I remember my parents going through, like, I remember watching my parents going through this and thinking they had it all down.
2: Oh and yeah, they totally.
0: probably didn't.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. <laughs> They're
0: probably as naive as what I am
1: now. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and so and you know I'm I have an older brother. He's five years older than me, and so they had kind of by the time I was sort of finding music, he was into music as well. Um, yeah. And so you know, if I'm like, uh, I guess you're probably like eight to ten when you sort of realistically start to. Have favourite songs beyond just whatever someone plays for you, yeah, and yep. and those favourite songs, you know, they'd be a lot different now. You know, now people go, yeah, my kids love the Wiggles and this and that and and whatever because, and oh, my Spotify is you know old New York hardcore records and a bunch of kids' music yeah, because and that's Disney soundtracks, or, yeah, yeah, or or it's Taylor Swift or whatever. But see, we were. Um, you know, you didn't CDs were thirty bucks. It's yeah. not like they were; they weren't buying that stuff. So, I can remember being sat down um, at a little cassette player with um, the Bon Jovi "Bad Medicine" Fantastic. like cast single yep. at my mum's friend's house because they had one of those cool little mini, you know, the cassette, just the speaker and the tape player.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: and um, and we would just sit there listening to Bad Medicine over and over, um, and. You know, that's that's kind of, that was our version of uh, Shake It Off, I guess. Like, you know, yes, it's, it's yeah, just because yeah. there, there was no Spotify to just like, we go, we want more of this. It's like, no, nah, just rewind it, just, play it again, yeah. I guess.
0: Play the B-side and then go back to yeah. the A-side, yeah. So, let, let's, I guess, let, let's pick a song that kind of sums up where your parents were musically or yeah. what your impression so, of where your parents were musically.
1: Yeah, I think Fortunate Son by Credence is the perfect option because it's, it's right in the middle where we basically could all agree this is a great song and it was a realization that it was a song from a time when they were closer to my age than they were then. Yeah. So um yeah, so that was I I, th- I think I've managed to pinpoint that as a, a bit of a turning point song.
0: That's so what like the concept of your dad being like I've ne- I don't know yeah, I don't know what age you were meant to be when the draft came out or the cons, uh, cons-, uh, cons-, cons- conscription or whatever. Conscription, yeah, yeah. Um I don't. I've never asked my dad like where he was with it, but to you know, obviously, people people's parents did get signed up for it, or your dad was only a few days off it. Like, I just yeah. in twenty twenty, fuck, in two thousand, I can't even imagine it, let alone twenty twenty.
1: Like, well, I mean, and I can't imagine. Some, you know, he has friends, mates who uh, are still with us, thankfully, who went to Vietnam, yeah. and I can't imagine being like, all right, pick all the people you know. Now pick 10 of them and yeah. they went to war. Like yeah. that's
0: and then probably the, five of them didn't come back.
1: Yeah, like that's that's crazy. Um, so, yeah, I think that realising that that movie was more than just a movie, it was like, yeah. you know, it really, it, it captured so many things that they actually went through, even though it was an American setting. Um, yeah, so that song I think is is really special. And it's just a sick song and a sick yeah. band. Yeah.
0: That was covered by a couple of couple of dudes just recently.
1: Yeah, 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 I think so, yeah. I think so. I, I saw yeah. it pop
0: up on YouTube, on uh, Facebook
1: just recently, Look, someone,
0: yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah,
1: you got to give it a shout out because yeah. it is amazing, but, you know, <laughs> I, I, I know, I know your pedigree and the fact that you now have played on a song with Joey Cape from Lagwagon is... is... And
0: Lindsay, don't, like, Lindsay was there too, like, that, Lindsay just, was there, To yeah. me, to yeah. me, that's just, as, like, it's weirdly just as special.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, totally, and shout out to Kai because he's put out oh. so much amazing content over the... The last few years, well, it's probably been like six years of him doing that, I guess. Yeah. Um, And like, whenever I watch one of his, I end up in a wormhole and end up watching five. You can't help it. They just
0: like it's just fantastic video after fantastic video.
1: Yeah, Yeah. but um, yeah, having Joey Cape sing and really like he was working for it too because it's right up there in his register.
0: And the funny thing is, and this is this is probably like you know how the sausage is made or whatever, but um. He Like Kai said to him Pick the key And he goes Just the standard one Just like it's yeah. in G Just yeah, it. right. Like it's like You could have done We could have done anything But he just <laughs> wanted it The key it was in Let's go And he, yeah he worked for it <laughs> He fucking worked yeah. for it Yeah
2: Yeah
1: uh, It's awesome man Yeah well, um, I'll take the original version But yeah. your version is, is Right up there as well
0: So, kind of moving forward a bit, yeah. You, you mentioned about um, listening to cast Singles. I'm stoked that you. I, I spoke to someone just recently, and I mentioned the word Cassingle, and they stopped and said, "Oh, is that what you called it?" I was like, "What do you mean?" And they go, "Oh, well, <laughs> like we we just called them ca- cassette singles." I was like, "Well, they're a Cassingle, like yeah." But I'm, I'm stoked you were you are a part of that because, like,
1: is, is yeah. that what you called them? It's like, uh, yeah, like. You know when you realize that like different people's families have weird names for farts or whatever because they yeah. don't want their kids to say. And you're like, what do you call it in your house? Well, it's like
0: my, no. my thought was like, so when I grew well, this is when I was growing up. My parent, my mum would always call a face washer a flannel. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 And like I'd go to. You know, you stay over at friend's house and you go, oh, you've got a flannel? And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about?
1: Yeah, that's a sheep.
0: Yeah, well, like, people just call it weird and wonderful things. It's like, no, we're all in the same, but we all know what we're talking about. We all use these <laughs> things. But, yeah, so, like, on Stoge, you dropped the castingle bomb because it made me feel that extra bit not as weird.
1: Yeah, so, oh, there you go. Yeah. I'm glad I could help. Thank you, sir. <laughs>
0: awesome. So, yeah, it's, you're, um, was your big brother, like, an influence on you? Like, I mean... I yeah, guess, yeah. Especially being five years old, he would have been hitting the really cool shit as you were kind
2: of.
1: Yeah, you know. he was definitely like he he had it together enough that he like had a you know a nighttime a nightly listen on you know I'm imagining a Triple J and was you know making mixtapes off you know listening to, listening to Tunny on the request line. Yep, yep, yep. And um and so he had and he's also he's an accountant now and he was in in hindsight it makes sense because he would have cassettes where he would maximize the amount of time that you fit onto one side of a cassette you know yep. um so he had he had some great mixes that were like you know little snippets of of this band live at the wireless or um you know and so there was there was definitely great mixes that was like it would be custed into helmet into uh Jebediah live yep. from something uh into Weezer you know whatever and then you know a random There'd be like a random. I've, I'm always a, a sucker for any band doing a cover of anything, good, Mate. bad, or otherwise. Yeah, yeah. And so then you go like, oh, holy shit! It's um, you know, The Living End doing um, Soft Cell. Yep. Uh, Tainted what's Love. What's that song? Yeah, Tainted Love. And yeah. You're like, holy shit! So, yeah, he was he was real good at that stuff for sure. And early on, I mean, they're the kind of later versions. But early on, he was definitely. It would have been Nirvana, Pearl Jam. Yeah, that you know the grungy, pre pre Kurt dying era, so um, yeah, I mean we, we we've been we've always been quite different our whole lives, but there was no doubt that music we had very similar tastes in music for that period. I would say, yeah, cool. Yeah,
0: um, what like were you listen to much radio? Or was it was literally just kind of just handed <sighs> down.
1: Yeah, I feel like it was it like, was mostly so handed you, down. And like, yeah, you did,
0: you did mention you did mention something that kind of doesn't really, especially for a lot of us, like doesn't really get mentioned but I think is really important. Like you said, you know, you'd watch Hey Hey It's Saturday and whilst they did have like Johnny Farnham or Jimmy Barnes and yeah. all the like the obvious people, the obvious Australians, like they yeah. still had Friends of Rome. And, who were uh, wrong, a, and
1: a, a big one is um so do you remember the band Loki?
0: Yeah 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 yep.
2: The From the Gold they, Coast.
1: Had a, they had a song called Yeah, they had a song called Not Like You and they played on Hey and it was like classic hey hey version where they you know one cameraman was handheld and he was like spinning sideways yep on the bass player and, and i remember watching i being like this isn't hey hey it's saturday music this is like closer to you know my kind of music yeah or it's you know it's, it's what i've seen on surf movies or skate movies or whatever like yeah and then the other version of that on hey hey i remember is uh, peter andre doing funky junkie with a headset mic
0: wow and, okay
1: and the, and the mic bro- like literally comes out does like a little, like, spin and a kick, and I guess he just, like, dislodged the battery pack, and the whole performance was just him holding his headset mic, kind of, and it was cutting in and out, and just, even as a young child, just really enjoying the, the terrible, <laughs> the awkwardness. like, the train wreck of this performance of Funky Junkie by
0: to, Peter Andre. To give him any kind of props is a weird one, but
1: yeah. <laughs> the
0: alternative was, like, at least he went out there completely singing it like and yeah. not ad-libbing it like that's pretty incredible because yeah considering how easy it is to just ad-lib
1: like, yeah totally yeah. but like hey hey had um like something for kate played on that head saturday like there was yeah there was it was real bands playing and they were playing live which is um is you know probably pretty rare for that time i reckon yeah
0: because you can only imagine yeah. the head the shit fight it would be to sync that all up like in, uh, yeah, you know, totally. No have no dramas and that kind of thing. So yeah, like I, I thought I think it's cool that you kinda of mentioned that because not a lot of people do. Okay, so were you a big rage kid then? Like early morning yeah, rage. Yeah? yeah,
1: definitely. A lot of rage, a lot of like recorded VHS of rage. Um he, and then I'm I'm a bit younger, so I guess well, younger than my brother, sorry, but he was rage, but then recovery was really my, my yeah. golden period right there so that was good because I, I was never good at getting up super early i would rather stay up late and watch rage than get up early and watch it okay interesting um yeah it's weird because it you know it start what it kicked off at midnight or whatever yeah um but i don't know i think i've just never been good at getting up super early so um <laughs> but sense. so it was great because i'd catch the tail end and then into recovery by i think nine o'clock i probably started or yeah I don't know. Yep. um so, yeah, definitely a lot of that. And then and then you kind of hit in the era where there was like a handful of VHS, you know, there was like um, the family values to a VHS tape, which yeah, was yeah, like yeah. corn, lint biscuit, uh, ice cube, orgy, like weird, yeah, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So there was, there was always those, and I feel, it. Like, I feel like they kind of got handed around and
2: bootlegged,
1: you know, in the place that I grew up. You would kind of end up with a copy of one from someone. And, yeah, so – the mixtape thing is is huge and now i guess it's just a swipe up spotify link which is just as relevant like for sure um yeah so definitely that was that was cool
0: so what kind of like as an as an eight to ten year old kind of what were you listening to that kind of set apart you know that music was more than just a song from a soundtrack or a song from a movie or a you know a a jingle for to sell fucking coca-cola or whatever
1: yeah, so I thought hard about this too because um, you know there was obviously Nirvana and stuff on these mixtapes and and different things like that. But um, the one record in my parents' collection that that really I, I don't know I don't know how it ended up there. I don't even know. I maybe possibly bought it at the op shop because I used to go to the op shop when I was real young and they were like giving away records because yeah. no, yeah. So Our old technology, um, get rid of it. Yeah, exactly. So um, I remember. Hearing for the first time Black Sabbath Paranoid, which sounds like I'm like trying to get credibility here to be like, yeah, you know, yeah, Sabbath is what cut through for me. Yeah, but I didn't, right. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't like anything else on the record, but like just that the way that the like the rhythm section of Paranoid kicks in and it's like you know it's like driving down the highway kind of riffage. Yeah, you very know, much it's so. Yeah, real, yeah. and um, I remember just thinking like. It's not heavy. Like it didn't sound heavy to me. Like you know, I, I thought the name Black Sabbath and whatever I'd heard of it, and I was like, it must be metal. And metal is you know scary. Yeah. But hearing that and being like, oh yeah, that just when it really locks in is so sick. Like yeah. a really good four on the floor riff kind of thing. And yep. then the the other like the the twin to that would be um, Detroit Rock City by Kiss. Okay. From um, from the probably from the live. Alive 2 record, which yeah. is the other record that I got super early. So those two records were, they came right at the time that I was just sort of learning to play. I wasn't learning to play the drums officially, but in, in my grade six kind of school holidays, I convinced uh, my neighbor who, was, who had young kids that I used to kind of babysit slash hang out with, Yeah, um, he, he played the drums and still does. Absolute legend, Greg. And he, um, What's up, I Greg? was like, yeah what's up Greg and uh he's still gigging too what a legend yeah, that's, um that's pretty rad so uh yeah he was teaching me how to play drums and I remember you know just the slowest sort of 4-4 four, four beat just trying to get there and then hearing Paranoid and hearing Detroit Rock City and going like man these guys are at a at a 40 and I'm at a one like yeah, yeah. how do I how do I how do I crank that dial and and yet Paranoid, I can remember playing Paranoid and, and it, it being so fast for my leading hand that to be able to hit the crash yep. in the middle, you know, on the yeah. four, da, da, I da, would, yep. Yeah, I would upstroke it. Like, be, it would be my hand off the snare and instead of being able to reach around and bash down on the cymbal, I you would be... just throw it, throw it upwards and hit the underside of the wow. cymbal. Like try, <laughs> just like, you know, it would have been such a bad rendition, but really, really like feeling... You know, plugged in and like trying to just trying to keep up with that shit. Yeah. Um Yeah, so I think that I think that I'd have to say that Paranoid or Detroit Rock City would be the two songs that I heard where I went, here's a song that I'm gonna listen to on repeat forty times and just just try to dial in and study it, you know? Yeah. And and weirdly they're both from like at that time twenty five years prior. Like they weren't modern songs.
0: At all. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there was modern songs that I was still listening to, probably Collective Soul, Gel or something. Yes, but, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, those two songs really had, had some cut through. So when I was thinking back to music as more than just background, I was like, yeah. And also not even knowing what Sabbath looked like, but but imagining them to be just like these rock gods, you know? Yeah. Some kind of,
2: yeah.
0: It's it, I so, always find it weird when people talk about Sabbath because like in the same way that I would talk about let's say rancid, okay, to like a a 12-year-old kid, they listen to it and, and not understand the impact that it had. Like I listen to Sabbath these days and just go, oh, yeah, it sounds like this band, this band and that band, but it's not heavy and it's not dark. But if yeah. you were riding the first wave of it, you're like, you know, yeah, this, totally. is,
1: this is a thing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, the Beatles were, were, you know, ghastly music in their time as well. Yeah, so it's that's like, right. You know, not not that we're really we're not revealing the secrets of the world here to be saying that you know every generation has its shock factor, and yeah. then you know that's all that Marilyn Manson is, and it's all that yeah you know it's what Gangster Rap became. It's all these things like everyone needs a villain to yeah. kind of
2: yeah,
0: and then each it's like each gener part of me, each generation needs to up it, and you know yeah, yeah, yeah take yeah, it to totally. another level. Yeah, so. Uh, do you want me to just I'll just pick a song Or do you want to is your um, Let's you go, go Paranoid okay, it's, cool.
1: <laughs> it's it's the classic uh, I think Gene Simmons Is probably a really horrible person Yeah so, And doesn't you know, need not, Yeah Doesn't need any kind of exposure <laughs> Any more exposure No No yeah. no. And um, you know Ozzy doesn't need it either But the other dudes in the band Probably could use Use the The royalties So let's go Paranoid
0: Levitate to drums or did you gravitate to drums because they were there or did you gravitate to drums because like it was something uh, you always wanted to do?
1: Yeah, they seemed, they seemed more appealing. I think I did do like, you know, a few months of like acoustic nylon string guitar lessons yep. at my school, but the school in year seven, it was like, all right, pick an instrument for like the school orchestra type thing. So it was a bunch of woodwind shit and some violins and stuff. And And drums were on offer and it just so happened that, you know, in the previous six months while kind of babysitting these kids, I convinced the dad, you know, he's like, yeah, you can just come in the back door when we're not here. You can just bash on them when we're not here or whatever. And, um, yeah, and he – yeah, so I just kind of – I convinced my – so I went and talked to him and he was like, I have uh, like another drum kit. And in my mind I'm like, you have two (laughs) drum kits? Like this (laughs) is – psychotic and now it's like everyone I know has so much gear that's just sitting around yeah, like, oh doing not much um, yeah. and he was like yeah I've got another drum kit it's not all there but I could you know it doesn't have a seat but you'd be able to make do and I'll give you these old cracked cymbals of mine Um but it's at a, it was at like a rehearsal studio where he jammed as like the loner kit
2: Yep. Okay.
1: and so he was like I, had, I went to my parents and it was, I think, I think I bought it off him for 200 bucks. Okay. Which was like, you know, it was that Christmas and birthday and yeah. everything else put yep. together.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and yeah, that was, you know, I've, I've owned a drum kit ever since. So okay. in some form or another. Um, yeah. So I was, I was gravitated towards the drums for that reason. Uh, they just seemed cool. It, not, not cause I looked up to a drummer in particular. Yeah. But. I also remember not being very good at guitar and now at 35 in isolation, I bought a guitar and I remember it's bloody hard.
0: Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. it's not it's not as easy as people make it look. Yeah. No, no, no
1: way. So, so I'm
0: – You are gone sorry.
1: Yeah. No, it's like, you know, every time I see a band, you know, when you, you, uh, you go to a show and there's a full line of bands, whatever the genre, and you go like, eh, they were all right. I kind of have this newfound appreciation where I go, I mean, even if they sucked, the dude – still had to know how to play, yeah, like, the
0: dude did it, yeah, the dudes the people did it in the band they yeah spent the yeah hands. yeah, yeah. A,
1: but you know maybe and other people might look at drummers and think that, but to me, it's like a muscle memory thing, so I don't really think of it but yeah
0: yeah i I always I always look at drummers and think you like unless you're unless you're a Travis barker or fucking whoever like unless yeah. you're like a name drummer, I just feel sorry for you because. You work the hardest. You work the hard. Like yeah. if you're if you're a independent, like as in a touring drummer who a touring musician who doesn't have a crew, you're loading the shit in. No one's helping you take the drums. You're the first to set uh, up. You're yeah. the last to pack up. And I fucking I'm never. Yeah, I always feel bad and. Kind of just think, yeah, maybe you picked the wrong instrument. I mean, oh, I hope you love it. Yeah, and, and it's oh, just—I yeah. feel like
1: drummers and bass players have a kinship, though, because you yeah. end up with a fridge cab that you have to load yep. up and down some, some yeah, a but, haggard three-story building. Yeah, yeah, but being, yeah, being in a band, who, who would do it? No, you know? that's right. That's exactly right. So,
0: um, what were your? You, you listened to Sabbath and Kiss, and I guess Kiss kind of still have that. In the 90s, they probably still would have been considered, like, you know, considered, not jovial, but, like, safer. But Black Sabbath, Yeah, I like, mean, you know, they, do,
1: they were a disco band by that point. That's exactly right. Like, what, yeah. well and truly, yeah.
0: Um, and, you know, they were still probably doing the, you know, the God of Love or whatever the fuck that thing is where Jensen uh, spits at yeah, the blood.
1: they busted out... Uh, God like of Thunder? The, the, the oh. 90s, you know, they'd already, they'd gone um, No must. Makeup, yeah. and then they... Then they'd gone like uh, Psycho Circus I think that's But that right. might have been Even later Yeah But they weren't They weren't You know There was nothing um, They were harmless the, the, the satanic panic Of the previous decade Was well and truly gone For sure so,
0: But what about with Sabbath Like what were your parents Take on Sabbath
1: Like Well that's the thing That was another One of those moments Because they knew They knew what like They knew Paranoid They knew what the songs were And stuff yep. And I think I think maybe my uncle Might have even Had like some delvings Into a little bit of Sabbath And so they, I was, I, I remember being like, yeah, yeah. I listened to Black Sabbath, and my mum being like, oh yeah, Paranoid's a pretty good song. And I'm like, oh, it's not very. <laughs> it doesn't feel very uh, How of you. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, they were they were they were always aware, and that's the thing. They're always super encouraging in music. They never, um, you know, and especially like never grunge. Like you think that grunge, in my mind, I go, yeah, grunge must have been the, scur- the you know the scourge of all parents with their kids yeah. listening to this terrible music. But I remember like. Um, having Dookie, uh, which isn't a grunge record, but mm. my mum, my I remember my mum like making dinner while I'm listening to it on the the one stereo in the house, yep. and and her like you know nodding along to to whatever and going like oh okay yeah this is you know I wasn't trying to be rebellious i so being like oh cool she doesn't mind this you know they don't mind this this music yeah um, but. Yeah, so they, they never had an issue with grunge stuff um, and then Sabbath stuff and, and Kiss especially, they were like telling me stories about, oh, like, oh yeah, in the 80s or 70s when Kiss toured, like my, I, I have much older cousins and they're like, yeah, you know, in the newspaper there was a big, you know, there was Kiss mask cutouts and they had stuck them in the window of their house in yeah. wherever and, and being like, oh, man, like imagine they're being Kiss stuff in the newspaper. That's like so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so it was it was weird. It was never music was never really framed as a rebellious thing in my house. That's pretty cool. Um, and probably because I was playing drums from you know year seven, and we like we had band practice at my house from year nine for a few years. Like my mum would make a make a bunch of lunch for everyone, like make make rolls, yep, and then be like, "All right, I'm going to mow the lawn and um, be outside for the rest of the day." And me and like my high school band would jam in the lounge room for hours, That's like so. Yeah, they were really cool. It wasn't at all, you know it's I guess some people had the house where the parents were like, You guys can drink as long as you drink under our roof. Yeah, like yeah. that wasn't that wasn't my house, but my house was definitely like, if you want to have band practice, like, come on in. So that's really like we'd set up we'd move all the shit out of the lounge room, set up in the lounge room and then pack down and put it all back in every every weekend. So yeah. Pretty, pretty awesome.
0: That's it. So, what were you like? Who were you playing with, and what were you, what were you playing when you were kind of doing? Oh
1: that? yeah. So that that would have been um, so year seven and eight. I played with some guys from my my school, like guys I went to school with, and yeah. we would play. At like we played at our grade seven graduation. See we it? played. Um, we played when I come around. Um, and I'm pretty sure. What year was that? Played, if
0: you don't mind me asking.
1: Not uh, 97. Okay. So year seven, 97. Um, and I'm pretty. We had a girl. From our class, singing with us, and I'm pretty sure we played "Just a Girl" by No Doubt as well. Sick, um, and then that led to so those those two dudes and me. We we played year seven, eight, and nine pretty much together exclusively. Um, Did the band have we, a name? No, it was just, it would just be like that. They'd be like, "Oh, it's the school." I went to like an Anglican school, and they'd have assembly once a week and chapel once a week, which was basically assembly with some some religious stuff some chucked in or something. Yeah, and so they'd be like, "Oh, you know, you guys, you will you perform at the at the chapel?" So like, I, it's so mortifying to think of now. <laughs> but yeah, when I was in like year eight, we would like get up and play. Um, like, we played Me First in the Gimme Gimme's version of Julio down in, by the schoolyard.
0: Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> at, our, at our year eight. Like, they'd be like, oh, so here's the the reverend doing his prayer or whatever, and now we have a musical number from Callum, Peter, and Dale. Like, let's do this. And, um, and we played, like, a bunch of that stuff. We played uh, violins. We yep. played... Um, yeah, a bunch of MXPX, which in hindsight would pass at chapel, I guess. Yeah, um,
0: yeah would be welcome.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, all that sort of stuff. So those dudes, that was really cool and like really formative, but then that led to meeting some dudes outside of school and kind of forming forming a band, and that's what would jam at my at my house um, in my parents' lounge room. And that was like, yeah, covering a bunch of stuff. We played like someone's cousin's 18th birthday in the backyard and we play like you know all the local gigs and stuff so it would be a bunch of originals and then a bunch of like jebediah into like um i don't know we played like just what i needed by the cars okay um there's a pretty there's a pretty broad scope yeah it was definitely kind of a mix um and it was right on the edge of that new metal kind of time coming in so there was definitely there definitely it kind of Divulges into that a little, but we never fully committed to being a you, new metal band. You dip your toe in but Yeah, yeah, definitely in some ways. And then but it was it was basically kind of post grungy like but that band played with like we played local shows with uh underage shows, but supporting like Motor Ace and She Had and Frenzel, um As covers? No, no, like this is by that time we were just playing originals, oh, and sick. maybe we, yeah, maybe we do like one cover, but yeah, um, it, yeah, very much like the youth week festival kind of things where, you know, I say playing with those bands, but they were a headliner, and there'd be like you know seven bands on a some shit. but yeah, you'd be playing did, at two, we,
0: and they'd be playing
1: at eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but we do a lot of battle of the bands and uh, and that sort of stuff, and um, yeah, and being like, oh well, like yeah, the the drummer from. Motor race like bummed a ziggy off my mate who's like 14, <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah, so that's pretty, pretty random and pretty funny, I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that was that was my high school time, was doing a lot of that, which was, was actually pretty cool. Sick now, yeah. Now, when I meet a kid who's actually 16, I'm like, how do you manage to leave the house? Like, yeah, yeah, you forget how young that is actually, but, um, yeah, we kind of somehow got it together, which is kind of cool. Yeah, um,
0: it's a weird, yeah. yeah, it's a weird thought. Like, how do you get a band who doesn't have a license to a venue, even if the venue is someone's eighteenth birthday? How do you yeah, ma- how yeah, do you, yeah. how do you coordinate that? Yeah,
1: yeah, and who 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 organised that PA and how did yeah. that get you know when how did it get returned? Like, what are all these things? Like, how do we manage all that stuff? Um, but yeah, it's it was. Hey, I think it was actually my formative training for being a like a self managed business, like an as run as a designer and an artist, where I yeah, I've always had to kind of do everything for myself. Like, I have I have like books and folders of stuff from literally like the dates on them are like ninety nine two thousand, so I'm in like year nine, year ten, yep. And it's like we have forty five dollars from that gig, and we have sixty dollars from that gig, and the recording is going to be two hundred and fifty dollars and here's a receipt we owe my mom 12 bucks because she bought like printable cd labels from office works and like i was yeah i was kind of bookkeeper as well um and manager-esque i guess on a lot of that and that's how all my early design stuff started too, doing flyers for those bands and drawing little yeah bits and pieces so it's yeah it's it's like um it's a good way to learn how to do a business, I
0: guess In the original band That you were doing A, what was it mm. called And B, were there people That you started playing in Like more notable bands If that makes sense or did, uh, did yeah, the guys yeah. Go on to do so, anything Or what happened So,
1: yeah um, Well that band was It was called Jester Because why wouldn't it be When you name your band In, you yeah. know, grade 9 Yeah um, Is it a Top it Gun it, reference? No, I don't no. even know Where someone else in the band Did it And it just it made, I don't know I think Yeah it kind of looked like we could do a logo that had a little fucking hat on it with little. Yep, I don't <laughs> no, 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 Something, something terrible. Um, but so those dudes, uh, a bunch of the dudes in that. Well, um, it kind of grew, and another dude joined as a singer because originally it started out as me singing and playing drums because oh, wow. no one, no one would sing. So I was like, well, I can, I can, I can do both. I not can't necessarily sing, but I can. But you make noise <laughs> yeah. while playing the drums. Yeah. So I have video of our first, like, official gig. I have the full set, and it's, like, it's all covers. And it's, um, yeah, so it's us playing, like, military strongmen, and I'm singing and playing Why drums. Why hasn't this
0: been released?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I'm waiting for, like, the uh, the window of time where I'm yep. not embarrassed by it, and okay, it still hasn't enough. hit, even though it's <laughs> over 20 years. Yep. But um, maybe uh, if this isolation goes much longer and I keep digging the archives, maybe I'll drop some of it. Yeah. um. So, yeah. So, um, one of the dudes is actually a um, quite quite famous tattooer now. His name's Matt Darienzo. He lives in London, but he lives he's in stuck in Melbourne at the moment because he was here before the lockdown. Um, yeah. So he's done really well and done a bunch of musical projects. No one in the bands, including me, has done you know a, a major musical thing. But I probably have stayed playing music the longest, I yeah. guess. Um, and then. That band eventually morphed into another band later in high school and our friend Chris joined and Chris was the bass player in Her Nightmare. So we um, we finished doing this kind of band at the end of high school, first year out of high school, and at the same time, Parallel started Her Nightmare Her with Nightmare. a bunch of dudes. Yeah, right. Um, which was a hardcore band that we did for till 2007-ish. I was out for the last like 12 months of it because I took a job and went overseas. But But... Yep. Um, yeah, basically from 03 to 07, maybe into 08, I think. Yeah. yeah. So Chris and, and Chris and I play in a band together now, technically as well, which is called Eaten by Dogs, by which Dogs. is like a, yeah. an, an old country kind of band. And um, so, yeah, he and I just, you know, it's like straight up like lifelong friend kind of vibe where we just, you know, go, oh, yeah, cool, whatever. Like there's not even any question about like. Is is
0: Chris poi?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah, does, yeah.
0: does he still like to get nude?
1: No, that's the question. That's actually the question that my mum asks whenever <laughs> she says, How, "How's how's Chris doing?" And I go, "Good." She, he doesn't still take his clothes off all the time, does he? <laughs> um, but he has a he has a beautiful young family, and awesome. uh, no, he's 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 not nuding up. But it's a different time, Joel. Getting naked yeah. in public is <laughs> is um it's quite a microaggression now compared to well. The, also, the intention of it back
0: then. There's consequences of being a 35 year old man running around naked like you can kind of pull it off when you're 20
1: yeah yeah yeah. you're just a dickhead then but you're 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 on a list somewhere if you do it when you're 35 like you're you're not allowed within
0: 200 meters of a school when you're 35
1: no exactly so i think that he's actually quite lucky to have gotten away with it so much but um yeah no so that was sort of the evolution of the band stuff but um other guys in the band um they're all still playing music and tim who ended up singing is doing stuff under the name wamala on uh which is his last name but on it's on spotify he just put out a record and um all of our friends from that era some of them are doing great work our friend ed has a band called heads based out of berlin and melbourne kind of co-based yeah um and so like there was some great bands from our kind of local scene so i'm super thankful for that for sure um and yeah, lots of opportunity to play. But it's weird. It should have you know, it being in a band wasn't a rebellious thing for me particularly, um, because my parents never had issue with it. It was like they just kind of were like, Yeah, cool. You used to play soccer and now you play drums. So yeah,
0: cool. Th- this is the new activity.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe ten years prior it would have been a real like they called a local church to try to pray me out of it or something,
2: but <laughs> yeah.
1: um, they were just like, yeah, cool. Like, they were never like, oh, you're going to make money doing this, but they, they also could see that that wasn't really probably the dream. The it motive. was more like, yeah. no, yeah, it wasn't. And, I mean, it would be weird to meet a kid who's 16 that's like, this is how I'm going to get paid. Like, getting to play with famous bands was enough payment in itself. We would have done it all for free. Well,
0: get into play, my- like, in my mind, get into play at, you know, being from Sydney, getting to play the Iron Duke. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Like, that was the that was the dream. Anything yeah, above I mean, that was just like fantastic, whatever. But the Iron Duke was what we needed, and I'm sure for you it was probably the Art House or something similar.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, when I was in that band, which which was not a, a band in a scene, it wasn't a hardcore band or a punk band. It was just like a rock band. We played like we played Revolver when I was in the tenth grade. We played the Art House when I was in maybe year eleven as well. Like. We played a couple of, you know, Wednesday night shows that no one probably came to but, yeah. you know, getting my my dad to drive me there and load the drums in and we play or wait outside until we play because we weren't allowed in or, yep. you know, all these different variations or like, yeah, we all got a, they accidentally gave us some beers on the rider so we're going to split them, you <laughs> know, like, um, yeah, that's that that was the reward. There wasn't like a how do I melt,
0: like, melt this. this
1: into, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was cool. Sick. But, yeah, not, not, but really accepted, which is so amazing by my, my parents, for sure. Yeah.
0: So, have you got a song?
1: Yeah. So, speaking rebelliously, they never had an issue with grunge. They never had an issue with stuff. But there was just this era of music that is just like trying to be uncouth just for uncouth's sake. Okay. Um, and so, I can remember borrowing a, a video that was called, um, oh, man, I'm now I'm going to blank on the name entirely. But basically in the era of like the Krusty Demons, VHS, yep, um, those kind of – there was a bunch of movies around that kind of period that were like snowboard, skating, surfing and like kind of pre-jackass, jackassery kind yep. of stuff. Yeah, yeah, And um, there was a video that I had that I borrowed off Rowan Dots who played in Hit List eventually. Yep. He played bass in Hit List. He went to my high school. He was older than me and he uh, – the video cut from a section, and it cut to um, it cut to this dude just just teeing off on rollerbladers and just calling them like every name under the sun and a bunch of stuff that uh, you know in 2020 you'll be quickly cancelled for for saying. Yeah. Um, and I remember my, I was just watching it, and it came on, and I knew what the section was. It came on, and my mom happened to be in the room, and she just slowly walked over, pressed stop, pressed eject, picked it up. Walked to the bin and just threw it in the bin, <laughs> awesome. and was like, and she's just like, we just that's not acceptable. Like that's not um, the, the line is that, now yeah. drawn here. Yeah, and that that dude is a skateboarder called Jason Ellis who's like yep. made it, made a career out of kind of being that guy, whatever. And um, it, and I was like, oh wow. And so I feel that uh, like bands like Guttermouth were kind of falling into that ter- territory as yeah. well, where they just like. It wasn't it wasn't about the sound of the music, it was the content of the lyrics and the skits in between and, and just this, this sort of stuff going on that was yeah, it was kind of um it was kinda of wild. But I think that probably like yeah, the amalgamation of that would be just anything by gutter mouth yeah. <laughs> would be in there. Some enough musical monkey, I suppose. Yeah. Um yeah, it was. I can just remember them kind of going like, Ugh, "I kind of hope this passes." <laughs> yeah, it's
0: yeah. it's one of the like they're they're the ultimate in if like if you're 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 kind of, you're kind of weird if you're not listening to like well, back then when you first getting into it you're kind of weird for not listening to it and then a couple of years later you're kind of weird if you still are.
1: Yeah, it's got like a real screw you, dad kind of attitude to yeah. it. That's like. Yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, the Blink-182, like, having sex with dogs jokes, like, you kind of go, oh, that's hilarious. And then after a a little bit, you go, like, that's kind of lame, actually. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like that, yeah.
0: No, yeah, go on, sorry.
1: No, I just, I feel like that was probably the only period of stuff that I kind of go, like, oh, yeah, I think if they were more aware of it, they'd be, like, that's no good. That that would be, and maybe that was me being like, yeah, this is edgy and and funny. But I, to be honest, I don't think I ever truly felt that way like about it. I wasn't that impressed by it. But yeah, you know, as you said, you were weird if you weren't listening to it, and then you're weird if you still are. Yeah,
0: it's yeah, like you think like you think of it. So this is gonna this is gonna be weird, but like, uh, Jungle Fever used to cover Lipstick by God of Mouth, which is a really highly offensive song. Yeah, yeah, but right. it was. It it kind of skirted that line between like it was comic. It was really really funny because they were saying shit that a thirteen year old kid would think. Yeah, 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 totally. Like like I can just I can't imagine like how I'd react if my son when he's of age like puts it on and I just sit there and go, wait, is he talking me about his mother? Like yeah, yeah is yeah. that what you think? Yeah. Like, yeah
1: well, yeah, and I don't know if I had a if I if I have a son and he comes home wearing a shirt that says Jungle Fever, I don't know how happy I'll be about it. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> yeah. the like the time marches on and things change and you kind of think better of them. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, I think that a lot of that sort of era, crusty demons, and it was a lot of like girls flashing their boobs and like yeah, dudes doing stuff, and like I totally see now why it's so problematic and also how it. If you're not a little bit, uh, you know, if you can't think for yourself entirely, bands like Guttermouth and and some of the things, there'd be some people that that really rubbed off on and turned them into the type of people they are, which is yeah. perhaps not not ideal. It's, um, it still
0: blows my mind that Guttermouth will tour, and I see yeah. people getting excited about it, like people of our of our era, like you know, of our age, thirty five plus, going, "Fuck yeah, Guttermouth's coming out!" It's like really. Yeah, like, yeah Is well, that where you're
1: I, I, at Okay yeah. yeah I feel like we Are in Stringer's ears Just po- perked up Somewhere in Canada <laughs> Wherever he is Because he's like Don't you dis Got a mouth Jeez. And like I would You know Occasionally it still comes on In some sort of Random Spotify mix And I do like it But it's just It's funny to me That they managed To make a career Out of just being Like the shittiest dudes In the room
0: Yeah And and doubling down on it Like Just kind of yeah. Always going for it
1: Yeah Yeah Which in a way Friends will, were doing that too But Somehow they managed to do it with, like, this Australian tongue-in-cheekness that doesn't come across as badly, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, at, at early on they were doing songs like Racist, which is, like, yeah, an anthem against racism at a time when it was, like, completely acceptable for people to be
0: yeah, la- absolutely. Think,
1: laughing at, uh, you know, laughing at kind of really, like, shit that you look back and go, whoa, that's blackface and that's, you know, that's a funny accent thing you've done and yeah. whatever, but... Friends will manage to do it
0: well. <laughs> yeah, they're very clever about it.
1: Yeah, we, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. See, so, um, I'll pick a. I'll pick a. Fuck! I can't even. <laughs> we'll have to. We'll have to, we'll have to do some research about the song we pick. But I guess coming up now, we're going to listen to gutter mouth. <laughs>
1: like, I, I can't even. So now, now we're part of the problem.
0: Look you know, in their defence, because you gotta find the good in almost anything, when they wrote a great song that didn't have weird sexual slurs, like weird, yeah, you yeah. know, or weird misogyny or or whatever, yeah, yeah. like End On Nine, which is not on the Musical Monkey album, which is on um uh fucking I can't think of it, it'll come to me in a second, someone's yelling yeah. at me now. But like End On Nine is a fantastic punk rock song.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: like totally. They've
0: got they, some fantastic they had all the punk
1: rock sensibilities in yeah. their playing for sure, um, and you know, and they were in the mix on all those, you know, punkaramas and all that stuff that you would kind of, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, sweet. So I just always put them in that category with your strung outs and yep. no use and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I guess you know, at some point you you, you outgrow the fart jokes. Yeah, in it to an extent. Yep. to an extent, not entirely, but yeah.
0: I mean, the fart jokes are never really going to be that offensive, but it's yeah. It's no, bit, no, no, yeah. No. It's about writing songs using F slurs or whatever towards rollerbladers. It's like ah, oh, I don't. Yeah, know
1: yeah. Do that. <laughs> That's you. Know, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. <laughs> absolutely, I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So
0: her nightmare. You were yeah. You were from the inception of the, you. You were playing drums from the inception of the band.
1: Yeah, that was basically like our first two months out of high school. I think. Yep. So I. I yeah. I turned eighteen in August of high school finishing, 02. So I reckon we must have started like probably actually, yeah, no, we would have started. Yeah. This just maybe even in the January. So two, some of the dudes were, Chris and I were in one year level and the three other dudes were in the year below. Okay. Um, and so when we started, like a couple of them were underage because I remember that, that we would play. Yeah. We, well, I mean, I had my license. I was the only one in the band that had my license. And then um, yeah, we, we played the art house And a couple of them were still underage um, So, yeah, that was That was 02, 03-ish um, And it basically came from That whole last year Of finishing high school um, I was trying to think of some songs Because, you know, you, we, you talk about songs From when you're turning 18 Or becoming yep. legal 21 in the States And what that means And so I was kind of Trying to picture what that looks like, and basically it was like a lot of like Poison the Well Thursday, um, those. So, kind so of how cr- did
0: you shift? How did you shift from, you know, gutter mouth and Frenzel and recovery and all that kind of thing? Did, uh, yeah, you, did you did it just get? Did you like? Because I can't remember how I got swept up in it, but I definitely owned a Poison the Well album, and yeah, that kind of thing. Like, how do you, do you remember how kind of you transitioned <laughs> I, from one to the other?
1: I mean, so I really like. I remember I really liked uh, The Drive-In, yep. which is like not uh, not in the punk spectrum of this punk spectrum. It is on the punk spectrum yeah. for sure, yeah. but um, I didn't understand that deeply at that time. But then I remember being 18 and going to like Missing Link and stuff and, you know, you'd flip through the gutter mouse and stuff and you'd come across something like that. Um, actually, Shano, who was in... Um, he was in Fuck It I Quit and King Brown and a bunch of other bands. Um, yeah. He uh, he was he had really like he was really good at LimeWire as well. He had a lot of like <laughs> yeah
0: right stuff. oh that's how you get it of course yeah, yeah yeah yeah.
1: But he like he I remember he introduced me to like a, a few bands like that for sure. And we were I feel like we were all kind of finding different ones. But I have to give Shano credit. He definitely he was like a pretty deep cut guy back then. Like he he knew the bands that those bands were into kind yeah. of thing. Um, he'd done a bit of research on that. So, you know, bands and then, so we were like all of the, all of those dudes who, you know, but I won't refer to them as if everyone listened to Spocker knows, but <laughs> yeah. we were all kind of, everyone was bringing something to the party. So someone would be like, Oh, you know, this is grade, and grade sound like this. Yep. And then that leads you to this thing. And then, you know, then there's like Thursday and they're kind of this, but then we're all turning 18 and going to Goo and then you go to Goo and they're playing, um, you know, heavier, they're DJing, you know, pop punk stuff into like heavier stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot of that sort of stuff going around. Um, you start watching those bands and so then, yeah, then you just, all of a, like, as you said, you just end up swept swept into it somehow. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, Throwdown had toured, uh the year before that, I didn't go to that first throwdown tour. I won't claim to have done that, yep. but um, uh, yeah, like so. Then there's some American band influence coming in, and then we so her nightmares um playing you know these shows and we're terrible. We're so bad, and we're playing. We're not even really playing hardcore shows. Like, we're playing, still playing like local shows, but yep. as the like hardcore band on the bill. And there's yeah. like at that time there's probably like a really. There's us, and then there's like a screamoey kind of band, and then a bunch of you know, I don't know what whatever you would call it kind of bands. Her and actually played like a battle of the bands against that band, the Vasco era. Oh yeah, yeah, who, yeah. And the Vasco, like we were in the finals and played at Luna Park as part of the like the big state final. Yeah. And that was that was the year that the Vasco era won, who were like a John Butler kind of thing, I think. I yeah. don't know. Um, Triple J yeah, so centric. We, yeah, and we like we played that show and all of our friends came and there was, like, a huge circle pit and people, like, spin kicking and shit, it's like, <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Um, very funny, but ridiculous. Um, and so, yeah, I think that the songs around that time, it really, I had to think about it and, like, it really boils down to driving to the art house, watching a show, possibly playing, but usually watching because we weren't really getting shows on a Friday night, that yep. kind of vibe. And then little Thursday night going to goo, Friday night art house, Saturday night, go to uh, the art house, watch something, and then go to Switch afterwards or yep. go to Switch and watch a show. And so those early, early days was like going to Switch and watching um, Prom Queen on their, like, second trip to Melbourne or yeah. whatever it was and, um, you know, seeing Parkway play at the art house on their, their first trip down yep. um, and then kind of realising that there was a, a scene of that. Um and you know, having the the prom, that first prom queen EP, uh, and then discovering kind of you know a bit more about what's already come before that. So you've got stuff like embodiment from Adelaide, and there's you know, and then you've got all the all the Adelaide stuff, day contempt, yeah, all those kind of things. So um, yeah, I th- I feel like eighteen really is is probably summed up by that kind of that kind of sound. Like yeah, um, it makes sense like the Day of Contempt, See Through the Lies kind of sound really because yep. that was that era. But also like I want to give a huge shout-out to Horsel Common in that period because I feel like for me they were a real um, a, a bridge gap in between, you know, because I was kind of transitioning out of a different style really of music mm. and, and I, I, I heard something in them that was familiar but also something new, which yep. was the sort of heavier element. Um, and and also they're just like I listen to them regularly now. It's just such an awesome band, um, and really like really really great players for their time as well. It was like watching a band and going like, holy shit, these guys can play.
0: Yeah, the actual um, musicians. Yeah. yeah,
1: and then and then you know they were this band that kind of had clean singing, but it was angry. And then then then, then Crips would yell, and there'd be like heavy parts, and then Crips would be moshing to you know prom queen or whoever. Yeah. Like yeah. And you know you're 18, just like taking everything in and being like, "Wow, what is what is all this stuff?" So, um, I, f- I feel like "Day of Contempt, See Through the Lies" is the song that I want to put for this kind of era. See, um, but really all of that 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 early stages of Adelaide and Melbourne hardcore um, could all be part of that because right you know right at that same period is that's the the Snare 10 Year Show. Yep um 2004 2003 yeah. yeah um and just being like holy shit this is a room full of men like old yeah. men <laughs> yeah. and they're all trying to kill me
2: yeah um
1: yeah. and you know they all had beards and they were all like two feet taller for some reason yeah except Monda, yeah. um <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: and just like going "Fuck, this is crazy so yeah but um I think Day of Contempt, See Through the Lies is a good reference because definitely with all of my, like, friendship group, it was, like, on any weekend that we couldn't do those things I previously listed of, like, going to Switch and do whatever, it'd be like, all right, we're sitting on some shitty plastic furniture in someone's backyard somewhere with a yep. fire barrel. And we're, we're all playing that and, like, the, the, the slim pickings of girlfriends that were around, like, in that time – were patiently just in the corner and be like, these morons are like you know, people moshing in a backyard around a fire just being absolute goons. But um, somehow, you know, we were all having a really good time. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of, that's my like my my memory of being eighteen. Fucking you know, a. if you had if you had a license, then there was nine people in your car. Yep. Highly illegally,
0: but yeah, you made it work. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's um that's but, my 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 song for that period. Fuck
4: yeah. <laughs>
0: Besides her nightmare, which a lot of people may may, may know, you by it. one of the like, I think one of the things that kind of eclipses, in my opinion, your your bands. I, I I think of you less as a drummer, as weird as this sounds, even though we've toured together a million times and played shows together that many times. Like yeah, I I I think of Callum Pressum as an artist, like an an all encompassing oh, artist. That's nice. Um, but so like where did the art and this could be jumping back really really far but like where did the art thing come from like were you were you a drawer from a kid or did you pick it up at high school or how does that kind of how does your creative self yeah. manifest that um way?
1: it was it totally like hand in hand with music really okay. like it it was um yeah doing stuff as a kid for sure but then as i was describing earlier of like being in these kind of high school bands is like starting to draw flyers and logos and stuff like that. And then really the tipping point was like discovering that kind of hardcore scene and turning 18 and going to these shows, drawing, making the first Her Nightmare shirts like, uh, and then the first shirt that I ever did for a band that wasn't my own band was for Parkway Drive. Like it was the, it was the sec, uh, it was the third Parkway shirt that ever existed Go and on. it was the fir- and it was the first shirt that I had ever done that wasn't just for her nightmare, which her nightmare only had two shirts before that anyway. Yeah. Um,
0: what so was the design Do you I obviously remember?
1: The Parkway one, yeah. yeah. Well it was um it was like a band photo of them standing in a field full of those yellow flowers on the way to Adelaide. You know how everyone yeah, yeah. stops and gets that photo? Yeah. So it was like I downloaded that onto my mum's computer, onto like the family computer, kinda messed with it, made it into a two colour thing and did it as like, you know, It had, like, some scratchy font on it or
2: something. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, and her Nightmare shirts were very similar. I think it had, like, I did a, it had, like, Marilyn Monroe with, like, drips coming out of her eyes or something. Okay. And, yeah, you know, like, it's, like, totally cliche band merch stuff. But they were, that was, like, it was right place, right time where merch wasn't actually that big of a thing when that all first started, but within... A year and a half It was the biggest thing Like
0: So you didn't So you, like I always envisioned you As like Not a child prodigy Of drawing But like You were drawing Ninja Turtles Or Transformers Or whatever Like oh, as a yeah, young yeah, kid yeah. was that no, part of it just, as well
1: Or Yeah yeah I, I drew So the the formative part of that Is like Skateboard graphics For sure Like oh, drawing Of course yeah yeah Drawing skateboard stuff Um Tony Hawk came to Melbourne In 96 And did like Some signings And a demo Before Pre-video game Tony Hawk So Yeah I went to the signing at in Mooney Ponds at uh, this shop called Yoji's, and uh, uh, there was like thirty-five people there, maybe forty people. Wow! Um,
0: so this is like for context. Is this Tony Hawk? Obviously, you said yeah, Tony Hawk before the video game. So this is when Tony Hawk's kind of not the not the powerhouse name like not the draw card name obviously anymore like
1: yeah i mean he was he's definitely famous but also like this is um 96 so it's like street skating era like bird skating was pretty dead yeah
2: um
1: yeah so he was it was like him and like a bunch of random other people like a this bmx guy called rick thorne and like oh yeah there was there was some other skaters and they did a demo um the day after at this place way too far away for me to get to but um yeah so like Drawing skate graphics for that, um, it's funny, I actually, I drew a bunch of stuff, like a bunch of Tony Hawk related stuff and I cut out a bunch of shit from magazines I had, kind of stuck together this collage board and had been working on it and drawing on it for like weeks leading <laughs> up to this meet and greet thing and it was it was on the floor in this sort of side area of our house and the, the sliding door leaked and it got wet water all over it and it all bled into just one big mess and was totally totally trashed and in the bottom corner was this one photo that i had stuck on and i had to cut it out and i took that and i have i still have it like here literally i, I could put my hand on it right now but it's um yeah. it's like just says tony hawk 96 and that was what i ended up going with to um, get signed to, to get signed because everything was trashed um but like i had drawn a bunch of stuff from that and then i would draw like i drew the like the unfinished galleon of finley finley lake by spider bait oh yeah um, yep, it yep. has that like cat thing on the front yep like, I remember drawing that and drawing, you know, just drawing random kind of musical st- stuff, but it wasn't um like I dropped on my art subjects in high school. I was doing photography, but kind of not really. I would, I messed around with video camera, like filming like Jack RC kind of stuff. Yep. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm probably, I was probably creative, but I don't think. I ever considered it to be much of an option as that, and then I went to uh, I went to schoolies week and missed all my university interviews, <laughs> um, okay. and the only the only one that was left was this advertising degree because I just applied I applied for like fashion and illustration and photography just all this stuff I didn't even know what I was going to do, and um, and so the only one left was this advertising degree that had a really low they took in uh, like I want to say they took in. 40 students every year yeah. and 18 of them were straight out of year 12 and the rest were mature age. Okay. And I rocked up and, and kids had folios of like product design that they'd been developing <laughs> and like, you know, all this sort of stuff yeah. from their high school graphics. And I had dropped on my art subjects. And so my folio was literally a page of a couple pages of stencils that I'd made and like spray had been spraying around town. Yeah. And, um, and then like, three pages of band flyers from the last few years that I'd drawn for my like high school band and for that same band I made these little stickers I, was super, I discovered what Obey was, yep. the sort of Obey campaign yep. and was really taken by the repetition and so I kind of made a little template in the shitty Photoshop on my parents' computer and it just said Jester and then I could just get any picture that I found on the computer and just drop it in as sort of like a, a side image to that yeah, so yeah. I made like 40 different stickers, and then we um, we had a, like a hack code for the photocopier at school, and I stole a box of, of, of um, sticker paper yep. and just printed hundreds of these stickers, and they were everywhere at the school. We used to use them as like a, uh, a measuring tool. We'd run at the side of the building and run up the wall and try to get a sticker as high as possible kind of thing. <laughs> um, and so my folio was literally that. Like it was a bunch of bullshit, and the people who were looking at it were like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but the stencils is actually what really they were like this is interesting like it's kind of like guerrilla marketing stuff viral blah 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 like they probably didn't use that word because yeah, it wasn't even really a, it thing wasn't then. a thing yeah um and they were like okay and they they let me in um and as soon as i got in there like within 6 months I was like well i don't think i want to work in advertising because it sounds horrible like we'd have guest guest lecturers would come in and be like well for your first 3 years you'll just be the coffee person. And Ugh. then, you know, if you have any ideas, someone else will take them and claim the credit. And like, I was just like, what is this? And it was like, you know, it's still early 2000s. So it's probably a nineties hangover version of what advertising was.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and, but all of everything I learned in that course in some way or another, I've applied to the rest of my creative life. So, yeah, you know, um, without even realizing it, like in marketing, everyone at school was working on campaigns to try to do like Heineken for the tennis, and I was like, uh, "How do I promote her nightmare at Stonecutters?" Like, "Oh, cool, we'll make flyers and I'll put an ad for this clothing company on the back, and that'll get them to pay for the printing." Okay, now how are we going to destroy it? Oh, well, we'll do this and this and you know all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. it, it all it's all connected. It's all interconnected for sure. Yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't. Um, I definitely don't introduce myself as a drummer at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and people, that does come up occasionally, like I'll they'll say, what do you what do? you do?" And I go, oh, I do this and this and this. And then someone will be like, are you still in that band? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I am in the band. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Like it's such, it used to be so much of my identity and yeah. now it's sort of, it's a bit further down the line. With no disrespect to that, it's just like that's what happens, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, cause, you know, yeah. you did, you, you drummed in Miles Away, for, yeah, so I played, for played, played Miles for
1: like two years. Yeah. Um, kind of between albums, leading up to Endless Roads, I started kind of jamming and writing on like two tracks that ended up on Endless Roads or variations of them ended up on that. Yeah, yeah. But, but it was, I was only ever meant to be a fill-in, but it just ended up being two years worth two because
2: years yeah.
1: Yeah. they weren't playing that much and also they're just the best, just the best dudes. So like we just had fun and, and everyone was kind of – developing their lives a little bit and, um, yep. that yeah, it was kind of perfect and and I was a fan, like, I was just a fan of the band, so yep. it worked out great for me to be able to get to play in that.
0: And step into it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I know you've done a bunch of amazing things and I've watched with awe and amazement and every kind of, adju- like, word you can think of of positivity. Oh, thank you, man. On, but, like, what are some crowning achievements that you think of Be like, of your life in the last, fuck, you know, after you kind of finished playing heavily in bands and that kind of thing and and design and that kind of thing took over your life, what yeah. are some crowning achievements, be it like things that blew up unexpectedly or something that you're particularly proud of, but, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Like, tell us about something yeah. that you've done. If that's well,
1: that's, okay. so, but the band stuff, like, for me playing, it, Miles Away for me finished in, like, uh, late 2009 ish. Yeah. Yeah. Very basically, end of 2009, I think, was that. And so, so we're talking like, yeah, the last decade, really, what I've been, last decade ish, what I've been doing. So, yeah. Um, man, like, doing full album art for a bunch of, well, I did it for Miles Away. I did the Endless Roads artwork, but yep. doing like, and I did it for Her Nightmare when I was in the band, uh, like for the first record that I did, but, um, you know, getting to work on multiple Parkway records to do the full layout, the Parkway DVD um, and then the Parkway book, which is like 350-odd yep. pages uh, with like months. Of, like I went I went and stayed in Byron for two weeks, hanging out with each of the dudes, going through boxes of their shit and scanning, you know, ticket stubs and wow. railway passes and stuff. Um, and because – and ju- and literally just making it up. I did. I'd never done a book before. <laughs> I was like, Pig called me and was like, "Can you do it? We want to do something special. Like, what do you reckon we might do? Like, some kind of zine or something?" And I was like, "Man, I feel like there's so much here. Like, we could do a legit book." And I did the research and was like, "We could print like a hardcover book if you're like you have the buying power to do this." Which sounds weird for Parkway to even be considering, yeah, maybe not doing something big, <laughs> yeah, but but him going like, okay, cool, makes sense, hey, let's do it, um, go ahead. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know how to do it. I'm just <laughs> saying, I'm just telling you like this is what you should I do. I think you could do it, yeah. Yeah, and so um, that was like, uh, yeah, I'm really proud of what I did with that because it was sort of uncharted territory, especially for a hardcore band to do a book anyway. Yeah. And, yeah. and the product that came out, I'm, I'm super proud of. And then that led to doing um, a book for Something for Kate, who is a band that I've become really great friends with, but a band that I was, I'm a huge fan of and, you know, played covers of in that band that we were talking about earlier, like yep. um, did a book for them for their 20-year tour um, and then that kind of doing those two books kind of burnt me out on doing books because books are a heap of work.
0: Um, I can only
1: imagine, but, yeah. But I'm such a, a nostalgia kind of nut that I, the idea of like getting to go through a bunch of old shit in boxes of flyers and like yeah especially something for Kate archives it was amazing like getting to see that stuff that no one sees yeah um and
0: then i guess probably so, hearing the stories that went along with it like yeah, you were just yeah. seeing you weren't just seeing a tour schedule you heard about the third night when this thing happened or whatever
1: yeah exactly exactly so seeing seeing that and like i'm a real big fan of like of an, of, of an object that is has had its life like seeing a, you know, a beaten up old road case that has all these kind of scars of, of, of the times it's had and yep. being like, holy shit, look at that sticker of the old tote logo or what, you know, whatever yeah. it is that's on there. Um, so that sort of stuff's great. And then design wise, um, like so heat to shirts over the years, just like, which is always never, never, ever not fun to do a shirt. And then to see it as a shirt yep. is just like, the best and so i've been lucky to do that a lot um probably the like the big one would be i did the violent soho like triangle with the skull in it you know that like the the (laughs) violence so that was i did that for them when they they had basically come back from touring america they were on a label that has something to do with sonic youth at the start of their kind of career like they it weird. Those dudes—they're all such good dudes, and they were all around back when her nightmare was touring in Brisbane. Those dudes were around, yeah. Not a, not necessarily court shows, but adjacent. And I yeah, never knew definitely
0: them. Definitely doing something,
1: yeah. Um, I never knew them, but they kind of had this rock career that kind of took off in America, and then I think some things went awry, and it kind of came it came down, and they came back to Australia, not really having much of a, a following here. Um, and I got hit up by the guy who still works with them, johan from i o u and he was like, "Yeah, I've got this band, and we're gonna do it uh like a seven inch um and i need I need a cover for it and so I was living in Seattle at the time um with my now wife, and I drew that that violent Soho triangle skull thing like in our little apartment there and sent it off and they didn't have anything like they weren't a they weren't a big band at that time. Um, and it wasn't even going to be a t-shirt. It was just for this seven inch thing. So it was like, you know, 200 bucks or something <laughs> and like that thing. I don't even, I think of, we've joked about it before. Like, is there a way to figure out the number of how many shirts of that have actually sold? And then yeah. I was like, you know what? I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but,
0: but. So the, the design's pretty classic, but it's, it, you know, it's not, it's not the kind of thing you could just like, you know, so there's obviously designs, sorry to interrupt your story. There's no, obviously designs where you could look at something and go, right. You could just you've you've done a mock up of something and you know call it put in a hardcore context. You could put miles away there, or you could put taking sides there, and it wouldn't really yeah, matter. Yeah. This is a yeah. pretty personal shirt. How much impact? Well, it's a pretty dis- distinctive shirt and has a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of icon- iconography on it. How much yeah. input did they have? Like, you know, there's there's the yeah there's the upside down cross there's the yeah, the yeah. pot leaf like did they say to you hey we're into we're into this kind of thing or this is the imagery we want or what, what was yeah the, yeah what, was, they, the, um, what they, was the background they
2: basically
1: it? said like we want to do like a some kind of rad skull thing like a skate graphic-y kind of vibe um and then and we want to work in these like these icons like the yeah the whatever. And so that was pretty much it. Like, as I said, they weren't really anything at the time. So there wasn't a whole bunch of back and forth. It was kinda like, Hey, can you do a logo for our demo? Like it's not, you know, um they I don't think that they well, maybe the manager knew and that's why he's the manager, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, um Yeah, so that kind of came about and then uh so the 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 skull in the photo which is wearing a beanie that says SoHo so on had, it, and then yeah. violent above it. So that's like I have the. It's a photo of my friend Willie, like out, out the front of his house, just like with a cigarette in his mouth. I was like, "Yeah, I got to do this thing for this band. Like, can I just take a photo of you?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah." I was like, "Put put your beanie on," and he had long hair at the time. And I was like, "Cool, look down a bit, yeah, sweet." And like, we're we're still really good mates now, and like we joke about, like he's like, "Yeah, that's me on <laughs> yeah, that thing." Like that's <laughs> that, wild. <laughs> that that's me, and I'm like, "Yeah, it looks like you." Like even the shape of the face, if you compare it, and his hair at the time, like yeah, it's it's him. Um, but that, yeah, that shirt is like, I'm, I'm really, you know, it's not anything genius. It's basically following the the mold of, um, 25 years of skate graphics that came before it. But, um, I am really proud of like how, how much it's, it's really been taken on and, and the dudes in the band are just so, so great. And when I first kind of met, re-met them properly and we, um, it was like, Tizwell was like, oh, man, so good to meet you. Like, you know, we've talked to email, but I didn't, you know, and and then Luke came over and was like, oh, hey, man. And he's like, this is Callum. He's like, oh, hey, man. He's like, no, no, this is like, he's like responsible for like the look of our whole band, dude. And he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, the logo. He's like,
0: holy shit, man. Like, It, it did set the that, theme for pretty much everything they've done since.
1: Yeah, I mean, and they use it as their main backdrop like now oh, of and course that's, yeah, yeah. That's, ten, that's nearly 10 years on 10 years on yeah oh, um so like it's it's great man and they're such like such good dudes and such a good band as well like not not anything that i knew that we needed you know what i mean like yeah. i didn't know i didn't know we needed a grunge kind of you know but it's so so good and just yeah i'm really happy that it went to them and not to like some Flash in the pan, kind of, yeah, whatever thing. So, so that's really cool design wise, um, doing that. And then I don't know, I'm, re- I'm just really proud of, um, like I've done a bunch of personal projects that have kind of done okay. Like I did the, I rebuilt a replica of a milk bar that I worked in when I was a kid, yeah, um, as an art piece, which is like the kind of shit that I, in my head, I think like if you get to be an artist, you get to do what you want, and then people come and, they either like it or don't, but you just, you're doing it because you do it. Yep. And I, that's what I thought happened, but I'd never actually done it. And then when I did that project, I was like, I think this would be a fun place to visit and I'm going to build it. And if I build it, maybe they will come. And they did. Yeah. So, so seeing that happen and getting to manifest that has been awesome. Um, uh, and then since then, I've, other projects have come up whereby I've gotten to do similar things. Like I recently, bought a 1976 Bedford ice cream truck that was like a big old piece of shit and um, repainted the whole thing to look like a crazy – it's like kind of a Mad Max of ice cream vans. Yep. And just just as a thing to do, like built it, put it in the middle of this big warehouse for this big art show and people came and you could – I had it set up inside as like my own personal studio. Yeah. So I was just I was making work in there, but I had a big esky full of super dupers because heaps, heaps of people were disappointed there was no ice cream. Yeah. Um, and so just getting to give out super give out dupers and talk shit and have people be like, this thing's crazy. Like, what are you going to do with her? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I've got to figure it out, but I've got it now. And Did, just kind of messing what, around. What and came
2: how to,
0: first, the idea to do it or the van availability?
1: Um, I want, wanted to build out a truck. That was the original idea was yep. to build out a truck of some kind because I have this sort of I – fo- I like a bit of an idea and the milk bar is the same thing. I really like rooms within a room. So like, oh, yeah. I guess it's, it's, like, it's like a tree house or a cubby house or any kind of thing. It's like – it's not a real house so you can kind of make it a bit shittier than it should be yeah. and whatever. So I had this idea of like getting a box truck and building an art show in the back of the truck and yep. then park that in the art show. So you're like, oh, it's just a truck, and then you realise, no, the show is inside it. So I, in in my hunt for that, I came across like two two terrible photos of that van. You couldn't even tell what it was on Gumtree, and I was I couldn't really. The guy wasn't very good at communicating on Gumtree, and I was just like. I just need to go so we my wife and I and, and our friend actually our friend who is the violent Soho skull <laughs> yeah right. we, we we drove up like two hours to country Victoria and went to this dude's workshop and as soon as we walked in um, my friend Willie who is the skull just like he like turned the corner looked at it goes ah oh, well I guess you're buying this and just walked <laughs> out because <laughs> um, it was just as soon as you just saw it, I was like oh man it's so like yeah and that era of you know ice cream truck and the sign writing stuff is so much of what I do that's sort of nostalgia-ish but like hand-painted and whatever so um yeah so it's currently in storage it it will it will live to see another day it actually had plans to be used um to sell some ice cream out of for a, a special event um through a friend of mine uh but that event has since been postponed so you know that'll one day hopefully come back around but yeah I had, I've had inquiries about it from multiple people, but they don't realize that it's, like, an actual pile of shit and it doesn't drive, like, you got to <laughs> tow it. Yeah. They're like, hey, can we bring the ice cream truck down? I'm like, you got to get a tow truck. Or a man. flatbed. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know, but, I mean, just, just getting to do creative stuff and also being – I've sort of turned my focus a little bit to be – I really like being able to just be a bit of a handyman and, like, help people with solutions to stuff, like okay. – and I don't. I'm not a trained carpenter. I'm not a trained tradesman. But I kind of look at everything like it's a Photoshop document. If that sounds right, but I kind of <laughs> like a, like a like,
0: real life Photoshop. You you can actually yeah, put your hands on.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I go. Yeah, well, it's just layers. And you know, if you're going to build something, it's got to be able to support itself. And and then you know, with great friends that are treason like people like carlson who you know and yep. and and mickey and Meathead head and different guys that are like i can always pick someone's brain a little bit and go i'm thinking about doing this and then obviously youtube and whatever so it's been really nice to like do little things like i recently just i bought a welder and have been like making some furniture welding stuff wow. just because I, I wanted to sort of experiment a little and then it just opens up another avenue i kind of I, I got into video editing and through design and that was really exciting me at the time and I did a few music videos for some bands and got some stuff going. Um, but then that kind of, you know, every, there's a lot of people doing video and they're all really good at it and yeah. people are like, yeah, have you seen this and it's the latest camera and this is the latest editing stuff. And and I go, oh, man, I think I'm not as passionate about it as I thought I was. It's, hard. And it's so,
0: a hard thing to keep up with. Like, because it's, yeah. you know, it's a slab of timber is always going to be a slab of timber. The the latest, yeah. The yeah, latest yeah. software or the latest camera or the latest lens is always evolving.
1: Yeah. And you've got to know your strengths too. Like, I, I, I feel like I have something creative to offer when it comes to, like, making a music video, but I'm not the best cameraman or I'm not the best yeah. editor. So it's like, okay, now if I ever do that stuff, I, like, have the idea but I have the idea of the crew that I want to use to shoot it, so yeah, I have a couple of people sense. I work with, and go, "Yep, that guy can do this." And and I'm learning that that's kind of the way of the world with that stuff. No one, no one does everything themselves. That's stupid. And I go, "Ah, oh, I've been doing it wrong all along." <laughs> um, but building stuff with my hands and making, you know, things that are they're not perfect, but they're good enough for me. Like they're it's how I pictured it in my brain. Like the um, the
0: building on the building in a building thing you, you mentioned before. Um, mm. I can't think of what year it was. Let's call it 2010, but maybe well may well have been 2013 or something. But you know, a couple of years ago, I remember you, uh, Nicole, and I came down and we hung out, and you took us through your mm. studio, and yes. we're looking at just going. This is fucking incredible because it was like a you. Were, it was like you were walking onto a set of something, but it was like no, no. This is just where I do my art, and there's yeah, there's the cubby yeah. house thing, and there's the this, and there's the that. But it was. You know, you could, th- you could have thrown a mattress in there and slept in there if you needed to.
1: Yeah. Well, I basically, yeah, I basically built like a – it was like a bait shack on the bayou. Like yeah. Like an old, like, tin shed kind of thing, but inside the warehouse, yeah. It's actually still there. I, I moved out of that place, but I gave it to the guy who moved in after me. Fuck. Um
0: They hit the but, jackpot. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and that's it. Like, I've been so lucky with this art stuff. Basically, when I was in the band, like two thousand and four, when her number was starting, is the same time that through graffiti and street art, I met a bunch of dudes, and I moved into a, a space with a bunch of people. And now, like fifteen years on, I'm I'm still in I'm in a space with one of those guys, but we only just moved out from being in one with multiple of them. Um, and it is it's very much like my dream as a kid, which was the the Ninja Turtles like underground lair, the yeah. base, like the the island from Hook. Yeah, um, you know the the bedroom from Gleam in the Cube that's in the underground like bunker thing, yep, like yeah, all of yeah, all of that shit is you know has had an effect on me, and it's it's uh, difficult to outgrow it.
0: <laughs> that's fair enough.
1: That's but, awesome. Yeah, but it's but it's so you know it's to me it's like way more visually uh, it's way more creatively exciting than a white clean room, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely, it is, mate. I've had a blast doing this. I hope you have too. Is there anything else you kind of oh, want to touch totally. on? Is there anything else you want to touch on before we kind of pick a last song? Um,
1: no, not really, man. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that, not that I'm hoping for this isolation to last longer, but I haven't even delved into the original hard drive, which is like basically that O- 3 to 06 kind of era, I have so many great memories of, of you and I hanging out and of, yeah. of all the bands that we were doing. Um, and, you know, people that that aren't around anymore that, that we all miss and it's like
2: yeah.
1: I'm, I kind of – you never make the time to stop and go through those those folders and then, you know, it's usually when someone passes away that people start digging up this stuff and going like, yep. yeah, remember that? That is a good time. So I really want to try and make an effort to, to get some of that stuff out there and, and share it with – not, not share it with the world, like it's not about being like, check out this stuff I did, but just share it with the people that yeah. were there to go like, remember how rad this was? So yeah. I'm hoping that people kind of do a bit of that in this time um, and I, I say that to try to give myself the kick in the ass to, to actually do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, believe me, yeah. I'll hold
0: you to it because I'm as keen to see what you dig up as I'm sure you are to do the <laughs> digging.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Definitely, for sure. Um, so music now is what we're at, right? Yep. Yep. So we're gonna finish on now. So I have like a I have a, a playlist that's just called building stuff. Okay, actually,
2: whenever
1: whenever I'm building stuff, I just put it on, and whenever I whenever I think of a song, I just add it to the playlist. It's not cool. it's not that big. It's yeah. like a hundred songs maybe, but um, it's got such a mix of like stuff on there. Like it's it's literally like Hatebreed into Motorhead into The Strokes yep. into Mac Miller into Peter Gabriel Primus Luca yep. Brasi. Like there's, band, there's embarrassed – like there's like incubus on there, it's like stuff that you go like, huh, remember that song that I used to And then you like put it on the list. Yep, throw and it on And so – um, and basically then I'll hear a song in a movie or a TV show uh, that I've long forgotten about and you kind of become obsessed with it yeah. um, and yep. end up playing it a lot. So for me, that song right now is the song Highwayman by The Highwaymen, yep which The highway the Highwayman is um, a Chris Christopherson. Group. Yeah. yeah, Chris Christopherson, Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson yeah. And um, it was, yeah, total super group And they were basically a, a group built for those like Live Aid kind of concerts Like okay. you could just you could just parade them out and yeah. people would lose their shit like, yeah. um, And they were, you know, just storytellers And so it's funny, that song is just like, you know, Highwayman is so Like I just, it's always a song I've known, I never really cared about it that much And then at the start of this isolation, my mate Alan Stacy, who is in a band called Grim Rhythm, and he's been in a bunch of other bands as well, um, and he's in the Misfits cover band that we do, the Glenn Danzig, Tap Danzig, Extrava Danzig. Um, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And he, uh, he's the singer and he does an amazing Danzig, but he put up an Instagram uh, IGTV story, and it's him. It's his one-man highwayman by the highwayman Men. Cover song And it's just him Playing like a An acoustic guitar And he sings All four parts Because there's four dudes Telling the story Four
0: different stories
1: Yeah Yeah And he broke it down And it's basically It's a story Uh, It's just four different Perspectives of stories And um yeah, and he broke it down. I listened to his bunch and I was like, oh, I'm going to revisit that song. And I listened to it and I was like, man, it's really good. And then I found a live version. Yep, you go down something. that rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I'm watching YouTubes of it and then I'm looking at other covers going, nah, this guy's not as good as this guy and whatever. And so there's um, there's Highwaymen live at Nassau uh, Fairgrounds or whatever and it's a live record they did and they do it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just like a random song that is – I'm absolutely flogging all the time now, and so, it's, it's so, all.
0: So that's not from a Alan. movie, yeah. That's that's thanks to you, mate. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It was it was literally like one of those things where the right, the right, at the right time, the right cover of it came along that like reignited my spark. And I just also think like those supergroups are so interesting, and I, yeah. I kind of I picture it to go like, I wonder if one day, you know, Tyler from Luca Brasi is going to be like a you know sixty year old man, and he's on stage playing with, you know, with, with Luke from Soho and, like, you know, whatever, yeah. like, just, like, a random... Yeah. It's just such a funny concept to think of, like, these, these you know, weary travellers that have done a full career in music and then they put together this super group. Like, it's, yeah, it's really rad.
0: It's, yeah, it's... Look, there's no reason why it wouldn't happen, like, or, or couldn't happen. It just seems so... It's one of those things that just seems so far away. But <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, like, if you were you know, the same age as Johnny Cash or all the other guys in the band, it was something that they probably wouldn't have thought, Oh, this'll never happen and all of a sudden it happens they're like, Oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Like this is
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is, all And my you kind of you kinda see it with um you know, with like these bushfire concerts and stuff, you end up with like, you know, Chris Cheney from The Living End playing guitar for uh for Jimmy Barnes and yep. it's with you know, with this other dude singing and then it's whatever um
0: well I thought about it with uh, um they uh a bunch of people did the I don't know what the fundraiser was for, but a bunch of people got together and did um Eevee part one, two and three.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That was for uh Wave A. That was when that was tsunami when yeah, when tsunami hit Bali yeah, right. or whatever. Yeah, so that had like jet and it had Grinspoon. spider Bay and yeah. Grinspoon. yeah. Yeah, amazing. Like and that's a, that's another one that I when I do remember that, I smashed that as well. Like yep. Um, but, yeah, highway highwayman just um, – and I, I recently went to Austin, Texas, and we went to um, – you know, did all the touristy stuff there, and that's where Willie Nelson has his 4th of July barbecue every year. It's like wow. a big concert thing. And, yeah. Um, and, you know, we went – there's a Willie Nelson statue there, and um, I don't know, this the, the storytelling this of it, it's so – it's just interesting to me, and I, I've just been really enjoying – Walking along, like, it's kind of, it's getting dark early here. It's been kind of cold, a little bit rainy. So walking back, luckily for me, in this isolation, I can go from my house to my studio because they're a few blocks away. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, putting the noise-canceling headphones on and just walking down the street, it feels like you're in, you know, some moody music video for yeah, this yeah. Uh, Highwayman song. And
2: <laughs> awesome. I'm
1: like, yeah, like, listen to this story about me traveling the wild. And I'm like, I'm walking three streets and not going near anyone. Like, it's not exactly, yeah, anyway. Not,
0: yeah. Mate, I did not see that song coming, by the way, at all. And I'm, yeah, good, it's good. fucking great. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I, I encourage people to to like really take it in, and the, the different voices and the tone in them—it's just so rad.
0: Yeah, mate. Yeah, thank you so
1: much. Thank you, like, man. It's I'm, been so nice to catch up.
0: I'm fucking stoked that you know we we've nearly hit two and a half hours. Uh, Jesus, of, like the first hour was just you and me riffing, but um, yeah, I'm fuck, <laughs> mate, I'm fucking stoked. Uh, like, I'm just, yeah.
1: I'm only sad I didn't get to put Tenacious D in there because I know that you're one of the only other people that actually gives you
5: shit. I was a highwayman. Along the coach roads, I did ride. The sword and pistol by my side. Many a young maid lost her baubles to my tree And many a soldier shed his lifeblood on my blade The bastards hung me in the spring of 25 But I am still alive I was a sailor I was born upon the tide and with the sea I did abide, I sailed a schooner around the horn of Mexico.
3: I went aloft to furl the mainsail and a blow. And when the yards broke off, they said that I got killed, but I am living still.
4: Well, I was a damn
3: builder. Well, sir, Where steel and water did collide A place called Boulder on the wild Colorado I slipped and fell into the wet concrete below They buried me in that gray tomb that knows no sound but I'm still around
4: Always be around and around and around Across the universe divides And when I reach the other side I'll find a place to rest my spirit if I can Perhaps I may become a highwayman again Or I may simply be a single drop of rain But I will remain And I'll be back again and again and again and again
3: and again
5: Fix, the poor stay poor, the rich get rich. That's how it goes. Chocolates and a long stem roll Everybody knows, everybody knows, that's how it goes. Never Meet on your bed.